let's, uh, let's pray and ask the Lord to bless his word and then to send us out um, with eagerness and anticipation um, to live for him with all of our hearts throughout this week. So Father, I just thank you for just the joy that has been here this morning. I, I celebrate your goodness. I celebrate, Lord, that new life is breaking out at Cornerstone Church. I thank you for those, Lord, who've taken the initiative to say, you know what, I wanna raise my kids in the kingdom of God, and I need help to do that. I thank you for those who've said yes to repentance and faith in Jesus and to publicly declare that Jesus is Lord of their life. And so, Father, I, I ask now that you would bless your word as we seek to align our lives with your truth together and that we would be forever changed. In Jesus' matchless name, we prayed. Amen? Amen. If you've been with us the last several weeks, it has been amazing. A few weeks ago, we looked at, as a church, our vision being Jesus. You can go listen to it online because I don't have time to tell you the whole message in 20 seconds. But Jesus is our vision, who he is, what he's about, we want to be about. And then after that, Pastor Emily and Vice Principal Barbara Jones came and if you were there, say amen, just opened our eyes and our heart to the reality of the ripe harvest that is the next generation. Um, just to give you an update, I was in Vice Principal Barbara's office this week, a couple days ago, and again, she's floored that we as a church would want to participate in loving the some thousand kids 1.6 miles down the road. Floored. We got to pray with her in her office. I was like, can we pray for you? She goes, of course you can. I got a thousand kids, dude. So we, she didn't really do that. But anyway, she, in case she listens to this or something. But Barbara just, uh, is just thrilled. And so one of the tangible ways we're going to start blessing them is once a month until we get more teams, we're going to just blast their teachers with love. We're going to give them coffee and bagels and donuts and whatever else teachers like to eat once a month, and so be looking for announcements of how you and I can bless the teachers, the admin, who have their hands full, a thousand seventh and eighth graders. So that was a couple weeks ago. Then last week, Pastor John Huddle came from Team World Vision and rocked our world and showed us slides and pictures and really preached Jesus's manifesto message, which is he, he was anointed to preach good news to the poor and that the father sent the son to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for captives, release from darkness for those who are bound. And John challenged us to get out of our comfort and to be about what Jesus is about in this world. And how many were blessed last week by the amazing, you should go listen to it again online. And there were 30 cornerstone people who filled out in paper that they're willing to step up and run for clean water in Africa. I don't know how many have actually gone online to actually officially register. Raise your hand. Okay. Oh, 10. Bruce is our case. Stand up, Bruce. Hold on real quick. Give it up for Bruce. He's our team captain. If you have any questions about how to actually do that, 
Bruce is gonna be right here in the front who can talk to you. And it's not too late if you weren't with us. The, the, the nuts and the bolts of it are this. You gotta pay the race fee. You set your goal to how much you wanna raise. Even if you raise 200 or 100, you can still run with the team. But it's an amazing, my goal is that we would have all 30, but also 10, 15, 20, I'm happy. We're gonna do group runs, training. Really, it's a way just to be awesome together and get fit. How many could get a little bit more fit? You know, and just raise your hand, be a little bit honest with me, you know what I'm saying? Don't raise your hand, that's awkward. Anyway, unbelievable way. John has story after story of no way I could have done it. I was overweight or I'd, I'd never been a runner or a walker and to see hundreds and thousands of lives transformed personally and obviously globally. So that was last week. This week, I want to continue the conversation all month that we've had of sort of a, a vision month. And this week, I want us to look at specifically and briefly, um, what does it mean to be the body of Christ together? In the scriptures, you'll find many metaphors that the Bible uses to describe the church. Just shout them out for me. What does the Bible use to describe the church in the scriptures? Body, what else? Bride of Christ, what else? Don't be shy. Family? Somebody else? Household, temple, priesthood. There are many, many images, and each of these images in Scripture that describe the people of God carry with them the specific nuances of what it means to be a full-fledged participant in what God is doing on the earth. How many know that God does his bidding and his work in and through people? He designed it like that from the very beginning, through the church, through us, you and me. And so what I want to start, just to start the conversation, and then we'll continue it for a couple weeks on into next week, is I want to, to, tweak is not the right word, I want to poke a little bit at us this morning with the intention that it would cause an agitation, a little bit of a hunger, a little bit of a sense of, I want to search that out. How many know the number one primary way that Jesus taught? What did he use? It starts with a P. Parables, parables, Jesus in the parables is not so much concerned about getting data or facts or systematized ways of thinking. Parables, they narrate a metaphor and a story. And the way parables worked for Jesus is he put enough truth in there that for his listeners, for those who heard it and wanted to consider it and weigh it and search it out, they had the opportunity to do so. But to those who weren't in it to know and follow Jesus, it would just, oh, that was a nice story and they would go on. In a very similar way, I want the message today to be parabolic. I want to paint a little bit of a picture. I want to give you a, little, a few resources that you can go to this week, and I want us to begin to discover in this leg of the race that we're in on, Cornerstone, that every one of our members, if you consider this your church family, would know who you are in Christ. How many know one of the great tragedies of our culture and our, is we've almost lost complete sense of who we are? Turn to your neighbor and say, do you buy it? The complete, with the, I mean, we are in, the, the, the air that we breathe in a culture is a, 
sort of internal schizophrenia. We don't know who we are, what we're about. We don't know our orient. We, we are in a culture that does not know who they are. And I'm telling you, as believers in Jesus, you can know who you are in Christ. I want us to know who we are. Take it another step further. As a body, I want each of us to know how we fit in that body. How many would know that would be a good thing? What a crummy thing to think your whole life you're an elbow, but really you're a hand. (laughs) Just forget it. And those who are in the doctoral nursing fields would know a lot more about this than I would. But when you realize who you are and how you fit, God begins to show you and speak to you about what your role is in the body. How many know elbows do different things than small intestines? I don't know why I picked small intestines, but. (laughs) Whatever. I'm hungry. That's probably why. (laughs) Part of what I want us to discover increasingly, who we are, how we fit, what our unique and collective roles are, but also the gospel always has to be contextualized. And so part of why I'm so excited about partnering with Fessler just a few miles down the road and other campuses and in your workplaces is I want us to begin a season of searching out what does it mean to be planted here in Santa Maria or Orchid or wherever you live, but that the Spirit of God would begin to release the imagination of God that we could be caught up with a vision bigger than ourselves, but we would be able to answer what does it mean to be planted and built up here in this church family and in this region or culture for the glory of God. I want us to grow in an awareness of what it means to not belong to just ourselves, but that because we're a part of the body, Romans 12, 4 and 5 says that we don't belong to ourselves, we actually belong to each other which goes completely against the grain of our cultural ethos or orientation. Private, me, leave me alone. How many know God's vision of his church is, it's different. That as a body, we belong to each other. And then ultimately, you and I in this season over the next couple weeks would be able to tap into the joy of doing our work and our part with all of our hearts. Who knows what it feels like after a long day of work, but it was good work and that kind of, ah, that was a good day. Nod your head at me if you've experienced that. Anyone experienced, just remember that day when you felt like, man, I did today what I was designed and hardwired to do. Raise your hand if you've experienced that. I believe that can increasingly become the experience of you and I as we discern together what it means to be the body of Christ called Cornerstone. I believe that if we can do this adventure, this journey together of discerning what part of the body am I, what is my identity, what is my role, how do I fit, and that when I discern that with my family, that, man, I'm going to do what my role is with excellence and with joy and with all of my heart, and as you sort of put these pieces together, there is a body on a corner that then scatters all across the region whose lives are marked by the power and the presence and the purpose of God. When we get aligned, 
There is a great need in a fragmented, me, my, private culture for a unified, collective vision of what it means to belong to each other in this world. I'm telling you, we don't actually have to be all that clever to make an impact out there. Because if there is a body that functions and flows in sequence and unity and harmony, I'm telling you, that is otherworldly. And it itself bears witness to something must be up here. Because a bunch of people are working together. A bunch of people don't care who gets the credit, just that he gets glory. And for your, if you're wondering, well, what part am I? Well, here's the beautiful, that's a little bit cart before the horse. You've got to hear the truth first, and it's this. 1 Corinthians 10, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, 18, and 27. God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, say every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Did you know that when we tap into, and this is just intro, when we tap into who we are in Christ and who we are within the community of Christ called the church, which one of the metaphorical pictures is a body, when you and I begin to discover and to discern that, it frees us from three things. Competition. How many know competition um, is not all that helpful? I gotta be like that person. Comparison? How many know comparison is a dead end road? And then compromise, because then you have to overcompensate because you're not like that person who seems to be winning, or I was joking about Patricia being a winner. Whoops, sorry. As far as passing out, so anyway, backfire. Okay. Listen, there's no need in the body for competition because you've already been showered with the favor of God in Christ. There's no reason in the body for comparison because each part is placed just as God wanted them to be, not as Pastor Chad or Pastor Andrew or Pastor Ken. God chose you to be you, uniquely fitted and placed for the glory of his name and the building up of his body. So competition, you've already won. You have the favor of God in Christ if you're in God. You don't have to work it up to win. He's already favored and showered you with grace and love. You don't have to compare yourself to other people. You can just be you. And I'm telling you, when this hits us, it sounds elementary, but when it hits your spirit, man, it sets you free. Competition, comparison, and then compromise. You don't have to act like a mouth if you're not a mouth. You don't have to compromise who God is calling you to be because I'm telling you, he designed you to fulfill the role for your purpose in life in his body. So knowing who we are, how we fit, what our role is, where we're to be planted and built up, joint together, to know our part and to do it with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, all for the glory and honor of Jesus. So a couple of things as we just kick it off today, and we're going to pick it up next week. When you think of a body, what do you think of? Maybe get out your smartphone or a list. When it says that you, verse 27 of chapter 12, 
1 Corinthians. You are the body of Christ, every one of you. What do you think of when you think of a body? Go. I'll ask a better question. I know what you think of when you think of body. That was a bad What do you think the metaphor is getting at to describe the church or the people of God as a body? There we go. Gifts. I'm going to start checkmarking them off. What else? Organism. Family. What else? Unity. I love that. Temple. How about function? When you think about body, right? What about abilities? The elbow can't do what the mouth does. Function, abilities. What, do you, what about purpose, which we've already talked about? What else do you think about body? Action. i got to write that one down. I didn't have that one down. Love. How about connection? Connected. How about movement, development, health, unity? All of these and more are, I believe, the reason why the Apostle Paul specifically loved to use the body metaphor when he was describing the church. So let me get to the good stuff. Open up your Bible to Ephesians 4. We'll go through this in verse 11 very briefly, and we'll pick it up again next week. Ephesians chapter 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Acts, Romans 2, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Philippians, Colossians. No one heard that song? Okay. We'll teach you it next week. It's my dad's birthday today, by the way. 57. It's pretty cool. So, verse 11. I just want, again, this is to perk your interest, and we'll pick up the conversation again next week. Verse 11, can you stand with me in honor of God's word, just very briefly? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. It's an amazing passage. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for what? For works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as what each part does its work. Grab a seat really quickly and just a few comments to get the ball rolling. And I want you to go search it out like a parable and reflect on the, the metaphor. What does it mean to be the body of Christ?
First of all, my job, if you are a leader, a prophet, apostle, evangelist, pastor, teacher, is to equip God's people, the saints, for the work of ministry. Now, here's what I love. Paul is so brilliant, the one who wrote this letter. The word equip, he borrows from the medical field. The word equip here, it, it, it has the connotation to set a bone that's out of whack in place. And so, how many know sometimes we can be the bone that's out of place? And so the role of a pastor or leaders in the church are not to just lead the charge and to do all the work of the ministry, but to help discern by the power and the grace of the Lord Jesus, the body, the family, and to equip literally means to set us into our God-ordained function and purpose. And so this idea of equipping means to set or to align for the sake of a purpose that you could not accomplish out of whack. So my job is to, together with you, with the word, by the spirit, is to begin to discern together as the body of Christ, where do I need to be set and equipped so that I can fulfill my God-ordained purpose with passion, clarity, and conviction. To equip is to set for the work of ministry. Now, I love this. Again, I'm not an expert in the original languages, but I've studied this one enough. That the word, it's not works. I don't know why the NIV pluralizes it. It's singular. The work of ministry or serving. The reason I like this is because you and I growing as a body does not just mean we grow in these walls. Everyone say it means more than that. But our job as pastors and leaders in the church is to help set you, align you, to connect with your purpose and with the body. And then you and I are equipped to live an entire lifestyle of service or ministry. The word work is singular because it doesn't really matter what you're doing. What is meant to mark all of your work is a posture of servanthood, a posture of others focused. So whether it's serving in the house, in the nursery, or the kids' ministry, or volunteering on Friday nights with the youth, or on the worship team, or the greeters, or the ushers, or a a, a leader, all of it, that's not the real issue. The real issue is that when you set with your purpose and your alignment, that what marks your service is a posture of servanthood and humility for the work, singular, of service. This means that your work becomes an opportunity for worship if you're rightly aligned with God's purpose for your life. This means when you get rightly aligned and you know your part in the body, that your work, whatever the field, is an opportunity to bear witness to the glory and honor of Jesus. When you and I discern and we get equipped or set in place and we're equipped to do the work that our lifestyle is a posture of service, what happens is the body begins to build itself up. In other words, when you and I discern who we are in God, and we get set and equipped, and we allow the spirit of Jesus to radically reorient us from the inside out, from me focused to him focused, from me and my to you and us, when that begins to happen, The Spirit begins to do the heavy lifting in us and amongst us. 
for the sake of maturity. Now, what's all this apostle, prophet, pastor, and this is my last point, and I'll pick it up next week. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. What's up with that? God gave me the perfect metaphor because my shoulder hurts today. Because I played tennis yesterday and I have a big old serve, but most of the time I whiff them. So sometimes when you whiff, it hurts worse. Can I get a witness? Anyway, just go play tennis and you'll not feel my pain. Here's what the Lord showed me this morning. How many have ever worked out or played a sport and the next day you were sore in places you didn't know you had? Finally, they're with me. Or when you lifted weights and you're like, I didn't know that was part of my pack, like this part right here or whatever. And here's what the Lord showed me. If all we have is a pastor, and when you think about pastors, someone who will nurture us and care us and lead us to green pastures, if that's all we have, then the apostolic sense pioneering new fields, taking risks, going to the next level, we will be we will be functionally um, atrophied, and we need, listen, so the, let me just say it like this, sorry. I'm trying to summarize because we're out of time. Listen to me. So write this down. I think I have it. So apostles catalyze and commissions. They're like pioneers. They're fire starters. They help us take new territory. How many know we need to take new territory in Santa Maria? To me, the apostles represent sort of the heart, the ethos, the DNA the big picture. The prophets are those who expose and then help us embody what it means to be the people of God with a specific interest for the poor and the marginalized. Those I view as the eyes. The evangelists are those who invite and excite. There he is right there. I think of evangelists as the mouth. They declare the good news. No, no, that wasn't a slam. Stop it. Pastors guide and they guard like shepherds. I view pastors as the hands. Teachers interpret and inform. They're obsessed with helping us learn to be formed through truth. I view teachers as the mind. So now with that in mind, the apostles as the heart, the prophets as the eyes, the evangelists as the mouth, the teachers as the mind, and the shepherds as the hand. Here's what I found, I felt like the Lord showed me this morning. The reason why he's given us these five specific graces, these, because one without the other, how many know we will be lacking and we will not grow up into the full stature of Christ? Because here's why. Many times, if all you're ever, so listen, I don't lift weights, okay? So get off my back. But man, I just ran three 744 miles with a stroller, I've been running my booty off. Well, you get me on a bench press, I could do like two reps of 45 pounds. How many know Pastor Chatty should probably shift a little bit of his exercise diet because of those parts that are not being touched and that need to be developed? Are you tracking with me? The reason why we need apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, that together as they work and the grace that they carry in tension, you and I will not be a body that's like, have you ever seen those guys who like huge chest but chicken legs? <laughs> you seen those guys who can bench press 450 but they couldn't like squat their own body weight. I've been there. 
But part of what we need and what I'm going to pick up next week is more about the apostolic, prophetic, shepherd, teacher, evangelist. But here's what I want you to know. And here's what I want you to do this week. There are some amazing, and we'll fire these off in the church email this week. And if you don't, if you're not on our church email or Facebook, come and give me, sign it off on your, your card and we'll get you hooked up. Part of what I want us to start is a journey of discovery of who God has made us to be. There are, and these will all be online and I'll send them to you so you don't have to memorize all of them. But I want us to go on a journey together of discerning who we are in Christ. So be looking for, there's an amazing website called 16 Personalities, the Myers-Briggs. Who's taking the Myers-Briggs? Anyone? A lot of y'all. Shout out what you are. What are your four letters? Go. ENFJ, me too, I knew that. Instead of shouting out the rest of the assessments, I'm just gonna email it to you, post them online. But part of what I want you to do, part of the takeaway this week is this. I want you to begin to ask the Lord, what part do I play? What part of the body am I? It's amazing. What is my role? What is my function? I am not satisfied. Listen, if you're in this room and you're living and you're living vicariously through somebody else's gifting, I'm telling you, you can get off the bench and get into the field and play. So this week, I'm gonna be sending out an email that has several different fun assessments. How many love taking assessments? How many hate them? Love them? Hate them. Jesus, we just pray right now for the haters. Again, the reason we're wanting to do this is because part of what it means to be a body that's built up is that we're all set in the place that God has made us to be for his glory and for his honor. I love this. When we are equipped, the promise is we won't be tossed back and forth. How many have seen people in, in and around their lives who, man, they are tossed back and forth? By whatever the going rate is, whatever the popular cultural trend, I'm telling you, you don't have to be tossed back and forth. You can be equipped and empowered to know who you are in Jesus within the body of Jesus. I love this in in closing. Over the next few weeks, we're going to learn, and Pastor Ken's going to help us, how to speak the truth in love so that we can grow up. How many, how many would say, I'm ready to grow up? I'm ready to grow up. I want to grow up. We will not grow up unless we learn how to speak the truth to each other in love. And then ultimately, as we do this, not only will our church grow in health, our church will grow in life, effectiveness, We will grow with a greater sense of joy because when we're aligned with his heart and his purpose and together, it starts getting really, really exciting to run together. All in favor, say amen. Amen. Stand up with me. Let me send you with this blessing. We're gonna pick this up next week. Receive this blessing again. God has placed each of the parts of his body Every single one of them, just as he wanted them to be. 
just as each of us has one body with many different members and functions. They do not all have the same function. So it is in Christ. We, though we are many, form one body. Say one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We all have different gifts according to the grace that God has given us. So Lord, as we start this dialogue of what it means to be the body over the next couple weeks, we thank you at the very beginning of our journey that you have placed every single one of us as you designed and purposed. Thank you, Lord, that you free us today from competition, comparison, and compromise, that you are gonna pour out wisdom, insight, and revelation as we discover together who we are meant to be individually, but ultimately, collectively, so that you can receive the glory and the honor that is due your name in Santa Maria and on the Central Coast and beyond. So, Lord, I thank you that you're going to set us, equip us, raise us up in this hour to do and be and to become all that is in your heart for Cornerstone Church and the church in this city. We love you. We trust you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.